Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. You can always find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com. Reach out to us via email at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. So a quick rundown of some of the things we've been talking about. Now, we've not done a podcast in about a week, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But a few things we've been going over, if you have not been around recently, or if this is perhaps your first time here. Um, the last series that we did was talking about Acts chapter 10 and this this mysterious vision that Peter had in and how that, that text specifically has always been used in the Christian church to define a doctrine that that gives us the freedom to eat whatever animals that we that we would like and and so we didn't tackle in any way food laws and all these overreaching endless scriptures um, that promote the 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 unclean animals principle but we did tackle Acts chapter 10 specifically and and easily dispel that that verse in no way can be used to justify eating whatever we want now today just because we're in Jesus. Um, and so you can go check that out. It's called um, Acts 10, Freedom to Eat What We Want? Question mark. Um, we talked about another one right before that, a lengthy series. I believe it was seven parts, talking about when men changed Sabbath. And we went through the historical timeline of, of how literal men who... who gave themselves the authority to literally change and alter the biblical creation-based seventh-day Sabbath day that we were commanded to keep holy and to remember. And, 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 and I say in that series that we have done neither. The, the Christian church of, of our age has done neither one of those. We've not remembered. We, in fact, have forgotten. And we've not kept it holy, which is distinct, consecrated, and uncommon. This is something that is a specific marked sanctified holy day. We've done neither, and we need to talk about that, and we need to talk about which we did in that episode, um, in that series rather, throughout seven episodes talking about how men came in beginning even, even one generation from Yeshua Jesus <laughs> and began to take ownership of the church and rebrand it and, and make their own ways and their own rules. Um, and then we talked about, I really like this still, is the hupogramos, the Greek word for the one example. One example, Messiah, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God-man, how he was the one example for us. And, and that word example, this hupogramos, is only used, interestingly enough, in the Word of God. It's only used one time. I find that very intriguing, very fascinating. Um, we've been tackling some things that some people would consider heavy, um, tough topics, but, but, but as we always do here on the program, we, we say with regularity, we have got, someone has got to challenge the traditions of men that we have been handed. Someone has to do more than just say, well, we're just not religious anymore. We're free in Jesus. Someone has to come along and say, but what does that mean? What does that mean, though? Well, we just need to love like Jesus loved. Okay, well, how did Jesus love? That's what we talk about all the time on here. Well, we need to just please God, please the Father. Okay, how do we please the Father? And so these statements that Christianity has, has branded as her identity 
need someone has got to come along and ask questions and say, yeah, I believe a lot of these things that we have been handed as far as one-line statements are in fact true in Christianity, but the problem is no one asks questions about what that means and how we do these things. And so that's one of the primary reasons we do this program is to say we are willing to take it on the chin a whole lot of times and ask tough questions that, that most, let's just be honest, most Christians do not want asked. They don't want posed to them. And so what we're doing here is trying to shine some light on some issues that the Father is revealing in us of, of traditions of men and religious patterns and error within us, within our own household, and we put it on here for anyone else who might find some camaraderie with it and are equally willing to go down to their knees and say, see if there's any wicked way in me, because I know there is. I'm just unaware of it presently. Um, and so that's the undoing of the rest of our days. Now, today is going to be very different. Um, I have several studies that are ongoing right now, one that I'm, I'm very ready to start presenting, but it's just not quite done yet. Um, and so today I just wanted to come on here and give what will probably be a two-part, um, it's not even a series, it's just a testimony really, and, and <laughs> I recorded this yesterday in audio form only. I, I didn't have the time yesterday to do a video, um, so I did a two-part series of audio only that recorded yesterday morning, about this time yesterday. And the, the audio was so bad, it had such a horrible reverb on it, none of it is usable. Um, so here I am today, I'm just going to make time and do a video and maybe be a little more personal, experiential for us to share in that. And so what I'm going to do today is, again, it's very different. We're not, we're going to re read one Bible verse and this is just going to be a testimony of my life that, that I'm finding the more I share this with people, the more people resonate and are saying, you know what, I've been in that place or I'm in that place now. And so what we're going to talk about for the next few moments is, is going to be called repaired and redeemed with the big emphasis on the word and, repaired and redeemed. And, and I want to project and, and, and present a, a principle, if you will, of, of this beautiful fullness of what the Father desires to bring any one of us, his children, into not just setting us free, not just delivering us through the blood of the Son and empowering us with Holy Spirit and then just sending us on our way free, but I believe that there is a, a repair, a healing, a deliverance, a, a release from bondage that should, when it's true and real and genuine in our life, it should move us into a place of what? Redemption, re being redeemed. And so we're going to talk about that for a few minutes, and I'm going to use a uh, a real life example, kind of open myself up a little bit and just say, brother, sister, maybe this is you in some way. Maybe you're fully aware of it and maybe you're not. Um, and just kind of give this a platform to speak to him, anyone else who might resonate with what I'm going to say. So repaired and, and redeemed. And we're going to talk about uh, just one verse for today, just to make a quick principle clear, is Psalm 107 verse 2. And it says, and we know these verses, let those redeemed by Adonai say it. Okay, like I like, we've, we've all heard versions of this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We've heard gospel songs about it and all this and that. 
But I like this version, spe- version specifically. Let those redeemed by Adonai say it. Let it come out of our mouths. Let it, let it be declared. Those who he redeemed from the power of the enemy or, or of the foe. And so this, this word is ga'al in Hebrew. Psalm 107, verse 2, this, this word redeemed, which is always interesting when we see one word redundantly used in a verse, there's a point that's being made. So let the redeemed by Adonai say it, those who he redeemed from the power of the enemy. This ga'al is to be ransomed, delivered, purchased from death and or exile. And so the beauty within this that I want to present is, a, again, a firsthand personal experiential experience in my life that has been recently come onto my radar that I hadn't realized that I had been redeemed. I knew I had been freed. I knew I had been repaired, healed. But I didn't know, or perhaps it just hadn't quite happened yet, or maybe I was just negligent to know it. The Father showed me about a week ago that not only had I been freed and repaired, I had been redeemed in this certain area of my life, this certain attribute of, of my identity. Now, now, when I came across this, and I was journaling last, last Saturday, Shabbat, um, before we went to a gathering, and as I was just journaling some things, I felt like this just kind of just smoothly and sweetly and quietly came to me, and I realized some things that I just want to share. I'm going to read some of it just so I can get to the point. But I realized that the Father had redeemed and sanctified an area of my life that had been very crippling for me for most of my life. I used to be a man who dreaded everything. I was very anxiety-ridden, anxious all the time, very fearful over many things, covered all of my life. Um, And that was really my identity pre-Messiah for sure. Um, And as I grew into my teens, as I got older... My, I had a I had a very vivid imagination, of course, as any child does. But mine was was very elevated, very imaginative. Um, I kind of lived in my mind, even as a child, in this fantasy esque world that I would just. I mean, every child pretends. I'm not saying that I was abnormal necessarily, but like I I just had a had and have a very vivid imagination. It's just the way the Father created me. But as I grew older into my teens. The, we know that, that the Bible tells us that the enemy has fashioned, if you will, a weapon against us. I believe that scripture is very clear, that, and I, I think there are specific weapons formed against us individually. There are things that would be a stronghold for me and a weapon used against me that may not affect you. I believe the enemy is very crafty, very wise, as we, as we have seen throughout all history, in, in somewhat of a custom order for a weapon to use against us. And so for me, it was my imagination. It was my mind. It was, my, it was, it was everything that made me me of, of just how the Father made me. But the devil took that, corrupted it, perverted it, and shifted it, especially into my teens, as, as without getting into anything specific, you, you know where this could go. But, of course, many things in my life became very sexual in nature, in my imagination. And, but not just limited to that. I would always wrestle with, as I got older, and into my, 
I don't know, maybe when I was 14, 15, I often started asking myself just these real emotional, fear-driven things of like, I wonder what would happen if I died today. What happened if I got in a car wreck? What happened if I'd ride my bike all over the town? I grew up in the Midwest, and what if somebody hit me and I died? And I began, the enemy began to just to twist that in my life to give me this weird identity of almost like I almost desired that would happen. I wonder if people would miss me. I wonder if people would even notice. Would my family be sad? Would my friends be grieved and wish that they had treated me better? Or, you know, all these different things. I was very corrupt in my mind, in my imagination. And often I would play out what would happen if I died. What would happen with my family? What would happen with my friends that I went and played wiffle ball with or played baseball with or, or played soccer with? What would those guys think? Would anyone notice? That was my life and, and my imagination for many years. And as I grew into adulthood, this, this twisted mindset really advanced. Um, even as I got, and we're going to have to move along here, but even as I got married in 2000, um, I realized that all these issues that I had just continued on and just kind of continued to change with the circumstances of my life. I changed locations geographically several times in my 20s, met my wife, and then all these things started to go on to her. My fears, my control, I was so controlling. Just this this generational curse, man, of control. And like, if I can keep everything right here, I'll be very guarded. I'll keep everything at arm's length. And if I can keep people in my life and circumstances and my business and and, and myself, of course, within these confines of what I deem as safe and controllable, I'm fine. But man, when things get out of order, when things don't go the way that I need them to go every day for my identity to continue in a safe place, I would be wrecked. I would be a mess. And I, I projected that onto my wife for so many years. Without the father, I would have ruined her. Without his kindness and goodness for my error, my mistakes, my issues put on her. But I remember when that started to shift from me onto her. Now, it continued with me, but it also shifted onto her because now I have this wife. I can't live without her. What if something happens to her? And I would envision all these things in my mind happening to her, getting in a car wreck and, and dying or or something physical happening. And, and back then, we didn't have cell phones yet, so I would call her at her office. And if I couldn't get a hold of her, I would literally be, I'm not going to say I had these anxiety attacks. I'm not trying to label this some psychological issue. I just believe this is just flat out bondage from the enemy. But I would be so afraid I would have to call her. And if I couldn't get a hold of her, I would be terrified. I couldn't think right. I couldn't do anything. I had to just stop. Call her again. Call her again. Call her again. Of course, she would answer every time eventually. Say, I'm fine, Joel. I'm fine. Okay, she's fine. I was always so terrified and fearful of of these, again, of these imaginations in my mind. Now, stick with me. This This has a point, I promise. This is not just sharing time for the sake of filling up a podcast. But many times I, I would just not be able to function in my, in my day-to-day routine because of fear and anxiety and control. I was in heavy bondage, to say the least. Now, fast forward to roughly 10 years ago. 
I thought that, that I was already bad, and I was, but then my wife got pregnant. Oh my gosh, what in the world? And, and we got pregnant at 37, okay? And so our first child, our only child, 37 years old is, is when we found out, or when he came. And so all of a sudden, this, this innocent little baby shows up and like, oh my gosh, I thought I knew fear and anxiety before. I thought I already knew what it was like to be ridden with with control and anxiety and fear and dread. Man, it escalated and it escalated. Why? It's this innocent little newborn baby. I can't do anything to make sure absolutely he's okay. Even where at night, like, or he would sleep, of course, all the time. I didn't know anything about babies at the time and he would sleep so much, and I remember like being terrified. Literally, y'all. Is he is he alive? Is he okay? Is something happened? I need to go check on him. I need to go check on him. I need to make sure he's okay. And and then the beautiful orchestration of the father, he allowed the, the birth of my son to be very traumatic. And this is all integrated, trust me. This is all the goodness of the father giving us opportunities to be, what? Delivered, repaired, freed. And so when my wife, I got a phone call because I used to do work for the office where where, uh, Kristen was going for the OB. And so they couldn't get a hold of my wife. And so they call me because they know me personally. I said, Joel, we've got some tests back from your wife. Y'all have got to come into the hospital like right now. Okay. I'm terrified, frantic. And by this point, just to be clear, I'm born again for real at this point. I'm a regenerated Christ man. I'm a new creation man. Okay. I had been freed of many, many levels of this in my salvation experience, in my death to life, kingdom shift, domain to kingdom. I was completely different in many, many ways in regards to my imagination, my strongholds, my anxieties, fears, control. I was on this path of being changed. And I'll just insert here, if you have been told that when you accept Jesus into your heart, you are just magically fine now, you have been told an error. You have been duped to believe something that's not true. And back when I used to be in youth ministry, I saw this all the time. All these kids... Some of them 18 years old saying, I've rededicated my life, Joel, five times, and nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes with me. Well, friends, here's what we're always saying on this program. It's not changing because you probably never had a regeneration experience. Or when you did, you never did anything with it. You never changed You never did your part that we're told in the scripture of of any type of cleansing yourself. And so I have to say that, like a lot of times, this is what my wife realized only five years ago. I don't think I'm born again. Listen to Bible tapes in school. Moral, godly, good girl, going to church, all the things, choir. Beautiful family, it seemed on the outside, but unregenerate, dead in sin. And we have to be honest and just face that fact that like she realized and had the, the, painful, the painful choice that she made, praise the Father, 
to admit that I don't know if I know God. I don't know if I'm even a believer. And in that admission, change came. And what? This is what we always said in that season. We'll get right back to this, but this is so valuable. She realized I've never been empowered to change. And that's what I'm saying. We've never been empowered, truly moved from death to life and filled with Holy Spirit to actually unearth these things and walk out a sanctification life. But again, we've been told, make a decision and you won't want to sin anymore, but you still will. You'll still be a wretched, sinful, you know, we're told that. And next thing you know, we just walk out our life excused to be sinful because I'm just trying to be like Jesus but I got no way to know how to do that. Well, we've been told. So let's move back to the text, which isn't really the text. It's just me talking. So my son, he comes on the scene and we had, a, as I mentioned, we had a very traumatic birth. Um, emergency C-section. My wife was, was not a part of anything and she had major issues. She was sick and we didn't know it. So they had to go get my son. It was a horrible experience. There's no way around it. Um, but when he was born, the first few hours, they said, we're very concerned about your son's breathing. We th- we are convinced he has um, a respiratory infection, or at least we're pretty sure he does. Paraphrased, he needs antibiotics. And here I am. My wife is, is barely post-emergency C-section surgery. I have, she, she's out of it. She has nothing, she knows nothing. I can't see her. I can't talk to her. She's in recovery. My son has been wheeled out. I meet him. I'm just, obviously, I'm on the floor like I'm undone. And then I hear this. We've been up for over 24 hours. I'm, I'm stressed to the max physically. My spirit was well, but my body was out. <laughs> and then they come to me and they say, you need to tell us what you'd like us to do. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm no doctor here. And so long story short, I had to entrust myself to these people, of course. Well, give him the medicine. I don't know. I need my son well. If he's, if he's going to be at risk or something like that, then please help him. Who am I to know? I, I'm entrusting him to you. I can't engage with my wife and even ask her an opinion. All I could do is pray over a couple of minutes because they said, we need to know now. And I had just gone through that with with the issue with my wife. They said, you know, you need to tell us, like, can we go get the baby? Because your wife's life is at risk. We've got to go get him, but we need you to say yes. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, this is still, obviously, if you've had children, it's a big deal. So they give him these, these medicines to help him. Well... We learned years later that these medicines, when given to newborns within the first few hours of their life, can be very detrimental to their gut, to their formation of bacteria and how they can respond to foods and different proteins and all these different things. Long story short, this set him on a course of extreme allergies. Milk, you know, any dairy at all, anaphylactic, Um, eggs. He had asthma very bad. And as he grew up, he had um, a nebulizer, an inhaler all the time. And it was very hard for me because, again, I'm, I'm regenerated. I'm a, I'm a new creation man now. But this 
power of the enemy was still present in my life in this area of fear and anxiety. And so as I worked through that and not worked through that, many times when he was at his worst, I would literally have to leave the house. I feel horrible. That's just true. When his breathing was at his worst and he could not breathe, and we would do inhalers and we would do the nebulizers every 30 minutes, just don't move, son, don't, don't do anything, just rest, breathe. I mean, he's like three years old. <laughs> you can't play with your friends. Sit down, honey, he cries. I know. I was always anxious, fearful. So much so, like I said, I would have to leave. I would have to go outside and say, I would look at my wife, I'd say, I'm sorry. I can't handle this. As a regenerated Christ man, repaired in measure, healed in measure, but not fully, not wholly. So to get to the point, and we'll bring this one to a close here. I had this chance not long ago. I don't know, six years ago, where some people that we thought we were going to be sharing our lives with were gathered together. Some I knew and some I didn't know at all. Some I knew very well that were close brothers and sisters, and others I were just kind of acquaintances. We gathered together and the spotlight got on me. There's something that the Lord wants to do in Joel. We're going to pray together in unity and believe that God will show us what it is he wants to do tonight for Joel. Because I had been sharing some things about my anxieties about my son. And in general. And so hours go on now. Hours. Hours. Okay? You probably don't know this type of thing. It's very rare. It's uncommon. And very lacking in the body today. People who are willing to labor together in prayer and actually do what we're talk, taught and hear about interceding for one another. Bearing one another's burdens. But after, I don't know, hour two, I'm, I'm angry. I talk to my wife. I pull her out. I say, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what the issue. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. <laughs> she knew, but because she's awesome and, and wonderful and, and a, a beautiful, submissive wife, she, she just let the Father, she let Holy Spirit just have at me. Trusting that, that, that it would be revealed to me and I would respond rightly. Trusting that that process would happen. And that's what did, in a sense, I, I somewhat reluctantly went to like, hey, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. And I'll share this and then we'll cut it off and we'll go to the next one. Actually, let's cut it off here. In the next, in the next part, I'll share with you what it was that was holding me. What it was that was my stronghold. What it was that had kept me unredeemed from the power of the enemy. Because again, we're talking about this word redeemed, ransomed, delivered, and purchased. And what I want to do in the, in the next part, which will be the last, is make the point of what the Father revealed in me only to make an example because there's something in you. There's something in all of us. There's many things, but I would say in most of us, there is something that's related intimately to our identity that the enemy wants to use as a weapon against us and may have done it for so long, we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. Why? Because it's like breathing. It's like breathing. Thoughtless, mindless, subliminal. It's just a makeup of who we are. 
And so the whole point of me doing this and sharing this, and the next part I'll get a little more revealing about my issues. But I can only do that because I've been repaired and I've been redeemed. And so it's worth sharing because it's a beautiful testimony of what the Father wants to do in all of us. And he'll continue to do in me the rest of my days. I will give him endless opportunities to repair and redeem me because I've got that many areas in me that are in need of it. So tune in for the next part. It will be just two parts here. But we're talking about repaired and redeemed. Okay? So thank you for watching. We'll be right back with uh, part two. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We're doing our best to rediscover the ancient way. You can always find us 24-7 at pathtozion.com. Send us an email. Let us know if this settles somewhere in you that's like, would you pray for me? Would you call me? Can I call you? We're having people do that, and we are here open and available as much as we know. You could talk to my wife if you're more comfortable with, with someone other than me, if you're a female. We want to be vessels for the Father. So thank you for watching today. We'll be right back with part two. Um, I think I said it already, but send us an email at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. So thank you for watching. Amen.